1: hello and welcome to off the beaten track podcast it's the sam duckworth aka get cape wear cape fly episode and it's part two if you've come here first uh firstly go and have a look at yourself why if you started with part two go back and listen to part one uh but if you are here for part two then i'm not going to Boy, with any more waffle, let's get straight back into where we left off at the end of episode one. Please enjoy part two of Off the Beaten Track podcast with Sam Duckworth. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk. Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B E A T one five, and that'll save you fifteen percent off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk. Official sponsors of Off the Beaten Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. off the beat and track podcast on the distraction pieces network with me stew with him we can jump straight back in we've just had a quick break for a wee and um before we we stopped i asked you um about you you mentioned that you was reading negative stuff about you in the press and and you you know the, the, the critique of your music wasn't always favorable and and asked how you dealt with that
2: yeah, try uh, tried to find as many ways to run from it. Then you have to kind of go, okay, are these things justified? Some of them were, some of them still to this day. I'm like, could you, I, I just wish, like, the Guardian would not have referred to me as a chubby teenager. Like, everyone thought it was really funny, but it just, it, it sucked. Like, I used to read that newspaper, you know, to get my diet of information. And I was, like, really anti-tabloid and anti-all that stuff. And I saw it and I was like, cool, okay. Like, unnecessary, unhelpful, true, but unnecessary and unhelpful. And, you know, so eventually, kind of got to grips with all of that, and, you know, I started working with Cooking Vinyl, and they they were just so good, you know, they backed me t- to do whatever I wanted, really. And so my mindset was changing, and just feeling more positive, and I was just like, you know what, Like some of these things are right, some of these things are wrong, but also, I'm young, Who cares. Like I'm gonna be doing this forever. Like it's not that long. And then I got sick, and then that was like, okay, cool. Everything's changed now. Mentally. No, I um picked up a parasite when I was in uh, Malawi, and I got really, really ill, and ended up in hospital like via ambulance like four times in a week, and then had surgery and all of that. And turns out, you know, there's a parasite that I picked up from water. And but you just, you know, you go through all the emotions and all of that stress and upheaval and start looking at life differently. You know, and I think... Positively? Don't know, is the honest answer. Like I'm not one to be like, I'm looking at everything so positively because I'm quite all or nothing with my positivity. Like, I can't fake it if I don't feel it. And sometimes, if I'm feeling an overwhelming sense of something, it becomes dominant, whether I like it or not. And I really have to try and pull myself out of it. And sometimes I can't. But lots of people are like that. I think that is just being a product of a world where you're completely confronted by the balance of, you know, are you having emotions? Are you having thoughts? You know, all these things you're reading, what do they mean? You know, look at all of this stuff. Look at everybody. Where does my life compare to theirs? Well, it's just too much, you know. Like you're bound to have moments where you just go... Can't deal with this anymore, like need a bit of a break, and I had a really enforced one, and it was quite a significant period of time and it's taken years to kind of get everything back from from the combination of being ill and like being in a bubble, you know, and when the bubble bursts and like the bubble in the economy bursting at the same time and you know. I think it's I think we're at the end of capitalism. I think that it's failed, it's over, it's wrecked the planet, it's wrecked our mindsets and I think it's time for something new. And that's been my, you know, when I got sick, I got into this project called The Dark Mountain which is very much about this exact same thing, you know, that and it was a big influence on me, the idea that infinite growth but with finite resources is not a sustainable way for any civilization to live and that concept permeates everywhere like the technological revolution that we're in at the moment will be halted when we run out of cassarite and coltan and when gold and copper become scarce so it doesn't matter how much our technological proce- progress exists those resources will run out the planets unfortunately its demise is happening quicker so if everything's going to collapse, democracy is you know, everything's going to be new. It's going to be the end of capitalism. It's going to be the end of empire. It's going to be the end of, you know, all of these things. What next? And that's what drives me because, you know, I'm still a 16-year-old punk hanging around with DIY people that come up with ideas and do them. That's all I want to be in life, you know, is some you know, around people that think differently and just want to try things. And that's gonna become more and more important when the traditional things that we hold in society, like our relationships with money, are gonna change. Because you know, when technology you know, self checkouts are a great example, when that technology exists everywhere, are we gonna to look towards universal basic income or what's gonna to happen to the sudden scarcity of jobs?
1: I want to touch on something you mentioned um, a few sentences ago when you said about um, being sick and and think the bubble bursting. Do you think the music industry prepares young musicians for when things might not go as planned?
2: The music industry doesn't prepare anyone for anything. It's... It needs to be reformed so radically. Like, the amount of people I met who used to work in the music industry that left because the music industry just crushes people. I've lost count. I think... There's so many things that should just be basic. If, like me, you're an 18-year-old signing to a major record label, why weren't they providing me with any kind of therapy? Why did I not even know that that was even a thing until five years down the line, society's changed now. Therefore, these people should be providing support and services. I know some are, I know some aren't, but if you are able to grasp the reality that you're in while you're in it, you take away an element of control from the people that are running your company. And I think there's too much manipulation of young people, whether they, you know, some are better it than others, but I don't know nothing prepares you. And when you're in a world now where you can see all of the pitfalls, you can see all of the coping mechanisms, you can see all of the impacts that it's had on people's lives, you have to change it.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. Unfortunately I do still think there'll be a never ending queue of people that will say yes because they want to be famous and they just want that that you know, they've wrote songs and they and they think that by signing that that contract that's that's the answer and and I think that but
2: for some people that is the answer
1: it is but if you were to sign a contract for a, a job um in I don't know fucking in a bank um and you become sick there's procedures within that business to look after you to a degree uh,
2: yeah i mean I, I know i knew that from the fact that you know uh, the point of when I was sick to the point of when I'd healed, two years out of work or two years out of like the same level of regular work, or you know, it's two weeks into my fourth album campaign when uh, you know I was literally supposed to headline Village Green. I was like, I really can't cancel the show, and they're like, you won't be able to play it. It's like, okay, you know, the difference there. There were organisations that were able to support, but on an in, on an industry level. It's changed a lot since then. You know, there's much more support now, there's much more services, but they're not you know, they need to be more better funding from the majors mm. and from the big companies need to fund these organizations because people are turning to them more than there is capacity to be able to support the services they need to provide. And that's a failing of government, firstly, and it's a failing of industry, secondly.
1: Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. What song soundtrack you're using Clubland, Sam?
2: Well, it sounds like my years in Clubland should be over. Are you making a point that, <laughs> that I'm too old to no, go? No, I want
1: you. I want you to turn up at a book club in a couple of weeks and play records.
2: It's it's so funny, isn't it? Because people do. You do have your clubbing days,
1: but you know what I'm saying.
2: I know exactly what you're saying, but I'm just you know messing now because it's, I, I said, actually said um these questions to my agents right i was like i'm really interested to see what you guys say because I, I, I this form, this format's really good because you have you have to really think about your memories at the same time as you're thinking about your music so it's it's like okay like different eras in different clubs yeah and i don't know there are my, some of my favorite genres of music i do feel like i'm too old to go to clubs so i always try and you know, go to carnival and go to festivals because it's a really good opportunity for me um, to hear the music at the volume that I want to hear it, but also to not feel like, you know, he's bought the dad. Yeah. You know, so.
1: How do you think I feel every week in the club, Sam? Well. I had a young lady come up to me when I was DJing the other week and she went, Are you still with him? And I went, She must have probably been about 19, 20. And I went, Yeah. And I thought, ah oh, yeah, I've still got it with the ladies. Mm-hmm. And she went, oh, my mum said to Sally, you went to school with her.
2: Yeah, but that's sick, mate, isn't crushing it?
1: Crushing blow. <laughs>
2: no, no. Mate, like, if that, you know, that club, if, you, if it wasn't you running it, it'd be a different... Absolutely, It'd be a mate. different county, and I think you know that. But, you know, like, we're all going to get old, aren't we? Of course, like, mate. Hopefully. Yes. I'm already there. I ain't got to worry. I don't know. So... You said you've got
1: different eras of clubbing so i imagine your entry point as you mentioned earlier was chinnery's the brush and 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 kind of that, yeah, alternative the alternative alternative clubbing yeah yeah
2: so that's i mean jimmy Eat world probably you know salt sweat sugar bleed american whatever it's called you know that tune is it's big it's a big tune? one from big alternative one from the era um
1: and sweetness the, what tune that is
2: i mean they're flawless band really they've they've Every so often, a band creeps along, and you're like, "You've got 25 absolute yeah. smashes. You've got a back catalogue of gold." Jimmy you've definitely got that. I'll well, see they played
1: last year. Mm. Um, so I'll just quickly ask you on this as well. Like, what are your thoughts on nostalgia? Um. Bands coming back and playing that album, or like, where do you stand on that as as a fan and as an artist?
2: As an artist, I feel excited by it because you want to be able to celebrate things that yeah. you made a long time ago and say these are still important to me yeah. and to other people. Because otherwise, you're always looking back on what you've done next, and I think that with culture, you need to look at where things have come from and where they're going, because that journey is the journey that everybody else goes on as a yeah. fan. Yeah. So if you can't do that as an artist, it, you know, it, it can be difficult. But also at the same, you know, it's it, cynically. You can see why artists do it mm-hmm. because you're providing something that people want to see, and it's also a good way of, you know, diversifying your income streams.
1: I'm a 46 year old man and can think of nothing more fun than hearing the Pixies play do right. in in it.
2: And there, and there we are. You know, like I remember doing the Gomez 10 year oh. tour for Bring It On, and I remember speaking to my agents, being like, I know. We were going to do headline shows. Can I do this solo instead? Like, yeah. I love this album so much. This would be like a dream gig for me yeah. to see it. And 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 I got to do it, and it was amazing. Yeah. You know, I've seen The Flaming Lips do Soft Bulletin. Oh, love that record. You know, like there are. Yeah, I'm all for it. I think I used to hate nostalgia. Yeah. But that's just because I got was scared of getting older. Yeah. But now what I realise is that right. being older is just the same about being younger. You just know where you're going to go wrong less. Yeah.
1: We was talking the other night on a on a podcast about um stumbling across bands at festivals you didn't plan to see and then just being blown away and in v ninety six I walked past the stage and I just thought, "Why was I not standing here earlier <laughs> and I just caught Tijuana lady and just thought, "Fuck me, what a band
2: liverman like, blues alibi ten twenty this week if they hell. that came out tomorrow like you know, the articles would be like, move over, Mac DeMarco, there's yep. some new kings in town. Like, do you know what I mean? they yep. so good. Yeah. It's so good. And it's 20 years old. And if a good record can be 20 and still be something that feels like a breath of fresh air, a first record from a 20-year-old can be exactly the same. Completely. And I think that's why nostalgia is important because it gives you the ability to signify things in decades. Yeah. And I think older I get the more I realise that's important 15 years of releasing music for me next year doesn't feel unusual but 15 years is actually quite a long time to be doing Mm -hmm. something so instantly I'm like I don't want to be nostalgic but how can I look back without feeling nostalgic Mm. I can't So and you must be
1: doing something right mate
2: I don't know if I'm doing something right I'm just belligerent (laughs) 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 it's the ultimate truth here I could do it anyway yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, there's you know, there's no option, really, yeah. but to just keep going. So, therefore, 15 years would be 25 years within yeah. the blink of an eye, and who knows what's going to happen in the next 10.
1: Become a sports writer. <laughs> <laughs> I know you'd like nothing more to be writing about wrestling.
2: I would love to write about <laughs> wrestling, but one of my favourite things about being a wrestling fan and not having to do anything career-based around it is that if it's not good for a bit, I don't have to watch it. Yeah. Like I listen to loads of wrestling podcasts, and like, I've just sat through three hours of this. How have you managed to cope with it? Not well. Yeah, me too. Like Brilliant. you just listen to them because you can be like, okay, that's the stuff I'm going to watch, rather than. Okay.
1: All right. So fast forward from the alternative clubbing, um, and, and, and then obviously Get Cape explodes as, a, as a, you know uh, um, as a band, and as, you know, and, and your career takes off. And then I'm imagining there must have been. Uh, a a lot of um, parties and clubs to go to. What kind of makes you think of them times? I think
2: of Optimo in Glasgow. Nice. What a club. Like, ludicrous behaviour. Every single time you go there, you just hear tunes and you'd be like, wow, that is... okay." everything's different now. I've heard that. Incredible DJs. Like, that period of time in music was very exciting because dance music and guitar music were both successful at the same time.
1: And crossing over. And
2: crossing over. And that's that's the key, is that you could have a bill of both and mm. it feels feel fine. And it works. I was so lucky to have been around that, you know. Pure Groove, Holloway Road, the amount of clubs and nights that they'd put on and i will just hear stuff. I'd be like, okay, cool, that's, that's changed everything. You know, when um, there was a night on Shoreditch High Street um, Life of me can't
1: remember. going to be edited? Can I- no, yes, I'm not, I'm not going to edit it. You no, I'm going to edit it. I'm <laughs> racking through my memory here trying to remember <laughs> stuff. Wow.
2: But yeah, they, they're just nights there. Uh, it's, it's a French label. I can't remember. It's not Kitsune? It. it wasn't Kitsune. It was. Um, Ed Banger? It was Ed Banger, that was it. They, they'd, do, they'd have nights on. What's um,
1: Sebastian and stuff like that?
2: You'd go and see you know, things in a club in two hundred and three hundred capacity and you'd hit records before they come out and you yeah. just your mind would explode. You know, that whole era was incredible. You know, it was modular.
1: Modular. Modular
2: with yeah. the nights. Like they were just incredible. Like
1: they lit, a label as well, wasn't yeah, it? And yeah. And
2: like, you know, from like Wolf Mother through. Yeah. So, you know, like Wolf Mother a perfect example of those two
1: Well good shoes signed to modular.
2: I think they were, yeah. yeah. They were a great band, weren't they? Mm. I remember that Modern Life is rubbish tube posters yeah. and thinking that is like you guys have smashed it so hard. Yeah. Like yeah. It was such a great pun and like they were a they were a really, really good band. Like really I remember like Good Shoes and yeah, the Astoria and stuff like that and just proper. Yeah. So yeah, for that time I mean the the record that I listened to the most was um as you know, L C D sound system, Sound of Silver. It's just one album mm. and all my friends oh, my. people would play that tune at the end of the night and you, you know that was the closer Yeah, for so many nights so that song to me it's like it's perfect
1: it really is a fucking perfect record mm. and there's when I saw the trailer for the LCD Sound System film um, have you watched that?
2: Interesting sidebar about that film. The reason that I both ended Get Cape and then came back is completely based on what they did.
1: On James Murphy.
2: I was like, I was watching it, resonating, being like, I I feel your pain, man. I'm gonna do this to you. You know, I was really inspired by the idea of ending something on a high,
1: one last high,
2: and then also at the same time, then being like, oh no, that was.
1: Really Not good. A good idea, was it? <laughs> it's like
2: all we did was we proved that we could do what we wanted to yeah. do. Actually, why don't we just come back and do that? Yeah. You
1: know. And just seeing that trailer and that song, and I think there's a huge amount of pretentiousness to James Murphy, and I love him for it.
2: Yeah, me too.
1: Um but that song being used just in that trailer and it just cut into arcade fire doing the harmonies as well, it's like I've got goosebumps just talking about it. It was that song is fucking remarkable.
2: That song is remarkable. That era of that band is yeah. remarkable. That film is remarkable. Like when they're putting the gear in the lockup for yeah. the last time, you just I'm just like crying. Okay?
1: Yeah. Fuck. Yeah.
2: Like perfect, absolutely perfect.
1: What did you want from clubbing, Sam?
2: I love the music. You know, like DJ Marquee, LK. That is. A huge huge tune that has influenced more of my musical decision making you know same with like shy effects you know like jungle drum and bass garage as well wookie you know stuff like that influences what what I want to do as a musician more than any anything else clubland really you know because it, it's bold and it's punky it's got elements of jazz you know, melodically strong, good bass lines. So if I go to a club, I I want the sound system to be good so I can hear it and feel it. Yeah. And everything else I take or leave. I'm not really bothered. Yeah. Because I know I'm going to have a good time because I'm hearing good tunes. Yeah. So as long as, as long as I'm hearing tunes where some are familiar and some aren't, like that's what I want from, from like electronic club land is I want to be surprised and I want to feel familiar. And I think that
0: and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Like, ChiFX, this culture thing that he's got going on at the moment is so unbelievably exactly what I want as a club. (laughs) Like, you've got legends, you've you've got people in their own lane, doing their own thing, completely flipping everything on its head. It being about a culture rather than it being about the individual. Yeah. You know, they've it's the perfect it's the perfect club, you know, for me. Like yeah. so someone if you go to any club, where would you go in the world? It'd be Soloid Sound System, Monday, Notting Hill Gate, you know, like not Notting Hill Carnival is amazing, but that stage, last ten years, seems a mind blowing stuff. That's what I want. I wanna be I wanna be dancing and thinking and feeling and all that all at the same time
1: let's come outside of London and let's come back to Essex. Uh, track six. Favourite song from an artist from your home county?
2: A lot of, There's favourite artists from this county that I have, you know, but it's got to be Billy Bragg. Like, that... There's something that's really funny that I've... As a fan of Billy Bragg, I have different waves of fandom. Sometimes I'm like, can't stop listening to it. And I think there's a... So something about the Essex blokiness of it, Essex bloke with a heart, that sometimes really resonates with me, and sometimes I don't connect with. But when it resonates with me, and it it feels like a poet from, you know, from home. Yep. And I think Levi Stubbs' Tears is just vivid. It's emotional. It's a brilliant song, and it's it's so unmistakably Essex.
1: When the world falls apart, something's staying in place. Oh.
2: Just, amazing. you know, like, it's flawless. And he plays it now and it's flawless. Yeah. And he's gone from being, you know, young, brash, solo punk to being Uncle Bill mm. and the whole of his fan base and the world has evolved with him. Yeah. And he's, I think he's become a real, you know, important part of the fabric of what it means to be a thinker from Essex. And,
1: As a 46-year-old man, I remember first hearing Levi Stubbs. I remember hearing the first album I owned um, by him was, um, oh God, what's it called? Uh, Talking to the tax man about poetry. Mm. And hearing Valentine's Day is over, She's Got a New Spell, Rotting on Remand. Just hearing these songs, I was like, he sounds like my mates and he's just talking in a language I that I understand and he's saying smart shit as well. This is like this mm. this is incredible. And to grow up with him, to then hear him have children and write songs like Brick Bat, which are you familiar yeah. with Brick Bat? I used to want to plant bombs at the last night at the proms so and now you'll find me with a baby, uh, with the big shell, uh but in the, but by the bath with the big shell, listen to the sounds of the sea. Fucking hell, man. Like and you know as a man that had just had children hearing that and, and just looking back on how your life changes and you know, it's not just you, everyone else is doing this stuff as well. And Billy Bragg's doing it and he's, and he's saying it perfectly. It's like that, that, that guy's, if not my, one of my favorite recording artists, I think the guy is just incredible. And, and he's just, He's just ageing like a fucking fine wine. Love him.
2: He's smashing it. It, Because he is the establishment and Mm anti-establishment. And that is a hard line to walk. When you are, you know, a radical, but you're also a spokesperson for the radical. Mm It's difficult. Like, I think the thing that I really respect about him is his consistency. Yeah. You know, that is hard. It's hard to be... Constantly looking to build up and to support and to fight for, you know, working class Britain, but also at the same time be, you know, a best-selling author and have loads of gold discs knocking about. Yeah. Like you can't. It's a hard. It's a hard balance to struggle, but he, you know, to straddle. But he smashes it. And I think that he knows that there's generations coming through and what they do at the left field. You know, it's it's important because. It solidifies the old and the new like um, my, a lot of my line of thinking at the moment is based on this artistic group of expressionist from Germany called uh, brücke which is a bridge It's about building a bridge between old culture and new futures, and I think that that is happening all around us in the u k and I think with political songwriting, every single one of us has done a show with Billy mm-hmm. you know that's a, you know from from Pip, Beans on Toast, Frank Turner, you know, Grace Petrie, Sean McGowan, you know, there's a whole, you know, could go on and on, but that new culture, you know, he's looked after every single one of us in the different ways, taught us things, and that's exactly what you'd hope and expect him to do. Yeah. And the fact that he does that, you know, I think that's where he maybe doesn't get enough credit. Yeah. His songs and his lyrics, people are really starting to realise that he was one of the greats. But as a a human being and as a custodian of protest music, he's also one of the greats in that sense too. Do
1: you think people have assumptions and preconceptions of you when you tell them you're from Essex?
2: Yeah, probably. I think it's difficult not to have preconceptions of people from Essex.
1: Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is... The songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast. And you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there... I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through. And you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. I what think, do you think they are?
2: I think what's interesting for me is when you meet somebody that grew up in Essex or it's from Essex but doesn't live in Essex anymore, mm-hmm. that's where you get the most preconceptions. Okay. Because people are oh, you're going to be bold and brash and like, yeah. you know, trying to do like harebrained schemes. It's like, yep, yeah, shoe fits. Yeah, you know, that's Essex. You know, but I think when you meet, do people, you think? Go on, sorry, when you meet people that aren't from Essex and they see the, you know, the sugar hut culture of, you know, if that's what Essex is. I don't think. I think because I got long hair and look pretty scruffy. People aren't assuming that I'm going to be part of that sugar hut world. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I don't even wear a watch, let alone you know rolling with a big one on my on my wrist. Yeah. So I think they I don't get that same judgment. I think people feel sorry for me, and I just <laughs> you know, okay, cool. Like, but you mentioned
1: that people that, are, that that no longer live in Essex maybe have that preconception that uh, you know you, you're you know a, a creative coming up with these kind of harebrained schemes to. To, to you know, to pursue these you know, these ideas. I'm interested in that because I'd probably say I'm that.
2: Yeah, you definitely are.
1: And do you think that any of that stems from living really close to London but not living in London and feeling like you've got to kind of put your head above the crowd in, 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 in Essex. I, I, I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say, Sam. I don't know if you try, if, if you any idea what yeah, where I'm I, going with this.
2: Yeah, I think the proximity to London is fascinating to me because everybody is moving to like, we'll move to Surrey or to Kent, you know, going to the other side of the estuary into Margate and to Folkestone because it's close to London. But Essex is closer, mm. so why not here? Mm. That to me is fascinating. You know, that shows that there is obviously. People are so scared to go to Essex. It's hilarious. People are like, I've only been to Essex once. I really want to go to the beach. You've got to travel three hours away. It's like, really? You're going to speak to somebody that can walk to a beach in five minutes and tell them that you've got to travel three hours or you've got to go to Brighton because there's no beaches? Yeah. What you're saying is you don't want to go to Essex. And I get that because, you know, you're going to have to post it on Instagram and you don't want people to know that you've come there. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of one-way traffic. The ideas come from flow up the estuary into London they're, you know, the big pockets of Essex ideas that are in a, in London, and then, you know, people have kids and move back. Yeah. You know, it's a really strange thing of like you go to London to make your dreams come true, and then when your dreams have come true, you come back and buy the house by the sea and make sure you can get your kids into a good school. It's great. Everyone's grown up on that mentality around here. I think it's commute living. Satellite towns all have the same mentality yeah. that opportunity and future exists elsewhere. But I don't think that applies culturally anymore. I think it's hard for cultural people, creative people to live in London. It's really expensive. No way you could have a studio like this in London. Not possible. And as that becomes more and more of a factor, it's not a bad thing that Essex isn't having the same rapid gentrification process. Yeah. Because... To know, like, the stigmas that we have to overcome are things that we should be proud of, to be honest. Like, if you want to blame the history of Essex music on anyone, you blame it on the feel goods. Like, they kick the ball rolling for all radical music to come in such a unique way that they are kind of your favorite band's favorite band's favorite band, three generations in. You know, the feel goods had such a big impact on everything. But, you know, they, they got a rep and that's the same rep that exists with, you know, existed with the Prodigy, you know, all the Essex bands, you know, left of center, left, left of culture, because you can be mainstream culture in London. Yeah. If you're in Essex, you kind of got a bit more, a bit more scope, bit you know, and it's hard, the lines are harder, you know, it's some, I think London, you can feel comfortable everywhere you go. I think Essex has still got that tribalness to it. There are pubs that maybe it's not a good idea for me to go to. Or, like, there are clubs that other people that I go to that don't want to come to because they're not sure. Yeah, I think suburban towns have that still.
1: But that makes the good clubs the best clubs, right?
2: Gives everyone a home base. You know, as long as... I think, you know, same same thing of coming back to that cross-pollination thing you were talking about with football. It. As long as people can go to, you know, you can go to the brush for an Indian night, but then we'd also go to, you know, down the seafront for some garage. Yep. We'd do that twice a week. It was possible to do both, and didn't feel uncomfortable in either. Yeah. Uh, but I think if you were coming from London to that, you'd be really shocked that yeah. people have a duplicity of, yeah. like they'll, you know, they have a, an outfit to wear if they go down Marine Parade, and they'll have an outfit to wear to the brush.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Last track. DJ Sam, this is your opportunity to uh, to play Platt being John Kennedy and try and turn people onto new music, a song that many may not know that you would like them to hear.
2: It's it's not very new, <laughs> hasn't so, got to be new. So it's uh, it's colonial mentality, fella qt Okay, um, it was almost my best intro because it's, it's yeah, maybe four minutes in before you get some vocals. I just love it. I think. One thing that I love about Felicity, in particular is that so many people assume that political music is like protest music or guitar-based music. But, you know, you can look at everything from, you know, Rage Against the Machine, you know, right the way through to everything that was coming out of the Hacienda and that culture. It's, it's different types of politics. It's social politics. It's, you know, you know techno in Detroit. All of these things are are about reconfigurations of boundaries and of, of, you know, what happens in society. And in is the son of a, you know, a revolutionary activist, made songs of real radical songs about politics. But you listen to it, and it's just pure party. Uh, it's just such a good groove. Like Tony Allen, to me, is the best drummer.
1: Did you listen to the interviews with him on Six at the weekend?
2: no. Tony. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I'm definitely listening to that. This is good. It's kind of like a little show to get, get some recommendations for myself. Uh, he is so good. Uh, man, and I, you know, the book ending, I think it's fitting to bookend the show with two tracks where he's drumming on. Yeah. Like 25 years apart.
1: And those songs being.
2: You know, The now and then Colonial Mentality. Colonial Mentality. Okay. Which. Uh, I don't know, I think Britain is rife in the concept of colonial mentality and I've really first learnt about it from listening to this song and then Googling it and finding things out. So, it's you know, it's a journey into an interesting mindset and it's just a hell of a tune.
1: Well, I'll make sure that all of these songs are on the Spotify playlist so every song that Sam spoke about on this and some of the others that might not be any song choices that we did end up talking about will be on there as well. Um, Sam, thanks loads.
2: Thank you for having me. Cheers, buddy.
1: That was worth... Both parts of that two-parter. It was a real joy to sit with Sam. He's, uh, as you can obviously uh, uh, ignore that bit. Well, there you go. We've come to the end of the podcast. And it was a real joy. Uh, I think you can agree that Sam's obviously an absolute gent, uh, super smart, and has uh, an incredible passion for music. And it was a complete pleasure to, to talk about all of these things with him. Uh, I love spending time with Sam uh, and uh, and it's few and far between the time we get to hang out. So um, we made the most of uh, this by by giving you a two-parter. Um, I will see you next time. In the meantime, um, please go and have a look in the back catalogue. And if uh, you've rinsed that, then please go and check out my Patreon account. I put up shows each week on there as well. Uh, and if you are also got a real thirst for podcasts, then head over to PodbibleMag.com and me, Pip and Ad will tell you all about the podcasts that you need to be checking out and if you don't just want to read the magazine you want to listen to our new podcast then please do that as well it's a brand new podcast sponsored by Audible so please go and check that out I will see you next week for another off the beaten track have a lovely time bye bye oh yeah sorry I've butted in yet again I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine it's called Podbible now Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts It's put together alongside Spotify and acast and it's a one stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, and there's features on Jade Adams and there's just an abundance. Of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So, if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com. And read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Pod It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with it.